and welcome to the Unveiled Podcast, where we discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in every area of our lives. I'm Sandy, and I'm here with Susie, and we both have a passion to bring reform to biblical womanhood. My training is in music and education, and Susie's expertise is in women's ministry, biblical counseling, and theology. Uh, We've been friends, and we have served together at our local church for over 20 years. Well, Susie, we've wrapped up our women's conference. We've been talking about that on the podcast, and we've had a few days to reflect. What, what for you, was the most impactful moment over the past weekend? Okay, I don't know if I can actually just choose one, but I think some of the things that stand out to me is just such a blessing to see how God is at work and how He just streamed it all together. One of the mm-hmm. things that... Uh, we noticed is that a few of us speakers use the same passages Mm. of scripture or or said similar things, even though we had different topics. And one person actually asked me if we had planned it that way. And I said, no, that was God. Because certainly I gave women the topic that I wanted them to speak on. But beyond that, I didn't dictate what they needed to say. And so it was just, it's so encouraging to see how we plan we prepare and it's important to do our part but in the end it's all that really matters is that God was in it that he was orchestrating in it and he gets all the glory for it so then when you start hearing feedback how God has been working in people's lives it's just so encouraging because you know God went above and beyond our human skill and did what he needed to do. So it's it's just so cool to see how God really did use this conference to change people's lives. I just recently had one woman say that she had really been struggling with knowing how to forgive herself. There was something in her life that she just couldn't get past. And she, she said it was at the conference that she was finally being able to be freed from that and there wasn't even really anything that specifically spoke on that that I know of I can't think of anything but whatever happened at that conference the things that were said God brought her to a point where she was able to find freedom from something Mm -hmm. that she had been holding on to and so that's just one God story of how God is 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 moving and blessing the women of our church when we preach the word and when we worship him and, and gather together I know one thing uh, that I also really enjoyed was just seeing the number of young women that were significantly involved in the conference. Our two MCs were women in their 20s. Our program director is in her 20s. Her lieutenant is in her 20s. And then we even had a girl who was 18. Well, first of all, played the drums. Uh, my daughter, which she I was pretty, awesome. I was pretty yeah, proud of great. her. But also, another eighteen-year-old was involved in painting the backdrop for our mm. conference. So, to me, I, I just love that young people are excited and willing to invest, give up their time, be part of discipling the women in our church and our community. And at the same time, I believe we are helping disciple them to be to be leaders and to continue the work of the ministry so that is very exciting to me Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. I noticed that too like all the speakers it all it all tied together so well it fit with our theme song and um yeah yeah it was a great it was a great time and the teaching um very applicable Mm -hmm. to -to day-to-day life Mm -hmm. so yeah it was great So today we are going to be studying Proverbs 31, verse 21. And it says, When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. So right off the top, we can see that she's prepared and she's organized. 
for her family, but also for her whole household, so the people around her. And when we think a little bit deeper, um, when this was written in the ancient Middle East, there wasn't a lot of snow. So this woman of valor is prepared, and not just for the regular seasons, but she's prepared for um, unusual or rare occurrences as well. And um, the clothing that she puts him in is scarlet, which is costly. It's beautiful. It's certainly not um, rags or worn out. Um, we'll get into the spiritual aspect of this a little bit later, Susie, because I think this does go deeper than just the surface. But what are some ways that women miss the mark on being prepared for different seasons in life? Well, probably one of the most common reasons in our society is that we are overcommitted. Mm. And we run ourselves ragged. There's so many opportunities. And I totally get it. So just this past weekend, we had some out-of-town guests that I originally thought were staying at our house and then later found out was were using a different home, but they'd be coming to our house for dinner. We were invited to a 50th uh, wedding anniversary. I knew my daughter-in-law was due to give birth soon. I was invited to a bridal shower on Saturday. Um, as well as that 50th anniversary I was talking about. I was also invited to two different bridal showers on Sunday and um, and then possibly going out for lunch with our friends from out of town and then, of course, the regular Sunday morning service. And all of these things are things I would have absolutely loved to be part of, right, because um, they're all important. The two, two of the bridal showers were for girls that had been in my discipleship group. I wanted to be there. One of the... Other showers was my cousin's son his for his fiance, so all very, very important, but I had to make a choice and say, physically, could I almost do all of this? Mm-hmm. Probably, but it wouldn't be best. So one of the things that I've learned, even just um, partly from being a mom and sometimes overcommitting myself when I was uh, a mom with young children, I'd get stressed out and it would actually posit or negatively impact my children. And so I had to learn to, to be able to say no. Secondly, being married to a man who is a full-time preacher on Sunday mornings, that's his, his role on Sundays. I know how exhausted he is after church. And so part of my role as a wife is to give him an opportunity for rest on a Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. And yes, um, you know, you might think, well, he doesn't have to do any of this. But if I'm running around, there's just a background stress that causes him as well. And so I had to make choices this weekend. And of course, even my choices were interrupted because it just so happened that my daughter-in-law went into labor Saturday morning. (laughs) And so, of course, everything else is on pause. She's most important um, at that moment, which so it just ended up being really cool. But I said no to the bridal shower on Saturday and both of the bridal showers on Sunday because uh, I knew that we were having out-of-town guests. They were uh, a priority. The 50th wedding anniversary was for an elder in our church that has served as an elder all but one year since we started. And so I knew I had to be there. And of course, church wasn't an option and I want it to be that way. And then after church, I'm like, I'm going to see my grandbaby. I've waited this long. (laughs) I had to, I had to wait and as much as I didn't want to, I waited until after both of our services so that Erin and I could go meet our granddaughter together. I could have gone during one of the mm-hmm. services, and I was really tempted to, but I knew he didn't really want me to. And, of course, 
I wouldn't want him to go meet our granddaughter without me, right? So I waited so that we could go and meet her together and uh, and then we went home. So there's a lot of things I missed out on, things that I would have liked to be part of, but I had to choose. Uh, being over, if I would have said yes to every one of those, it would not have been good for mm-hmm. for me or for my family or anybody else, right? right? As it was, there's a lot going on, and uh, and so I've, I've had to learn. And certainly, there's still times when I overcommit, but I think many of us we just overcommit on a regular basis. There's going to be busy seasons, but let's not make that our norm. Mm-hmm. Let's pick and choose, and it's we have to learn to say that it's okay to say no. We can't be part of everything especially when we're living in a vibrant community we've talked about this before our church is in a season of blessing there's so many opportunities and yes part of us wants to be involved in everything and and to support and to bless our other people and especially like for myself I'm thinking my family has been blessed like I've you know over the last couple of years there's been bridal showers and baby showers and all that and weddings in my family and so many people have come and supported us you want to return the blessing and and we do what we can but once again we can't be overcommitted I think that's one of the biggest things that we do because if we're overcommitted how are we going to be able to be prepared for the unexpected mm-hmm. things right and then there's times I think the other thing is we, we just live for the moment we don't actually take time to look ahead or think ahead about what might happen or what what might come and so we were so committed that when something unexpected happens we we actually don't have room either physically or even mentally to Mm. cope with one more thing Mm -hmm. so sometimes just living for the moment is is actually negative let's think ahead to see like what you know maybe I can fit it into my schedule but how is that going to impact the rest of my day or how is that going to impact other people and uh, one of the things that we've learned this was years ago in one of our Bible studies was that with every yes there is a no right like if you say yes to something you are saying no to something else so let's make sure that our yes is a good yes and Mm -hmm. that we're doing it with the most important things and another thing that we do so often is we t- depend on ourselves rather than depending on God, right? It's like, oh, I can do this. I can do this. I can do one more thing. Oh, it's just one more thing I'll add into it. And and then we burn ourselves out partly because we think we can do it all and partly because we're actually just relying on our own strength rather than living for God and saying, okay, what? how much energy does God want to give me? Like how, how much is he going to fill my soul? Um, he's... Um, obviously unlimited he has unlimited resources he could just keep fueling us but that's not always best for us and so sometimes he might let us run ragged because he wants to show us that we need to slow down we need Mm -hmm. to depend on him rather than depending on ourselves and then that goes along with the thinking of um, we think too much of ourselves and that could display itself in so for myself, even just talking about my weekend, all the invitations that I had, I could have been thinking, well, I don't want to say no because I want people to think that I like them and I don't want them to be disappointed in me and think I'm a bad leader and I don't care. Like I could have made it all about me mm-hmm. or uh, thinking too much of myself. I could have just thought, well, um, you know, I, I like doing all these things and because they give me joy, then, you know, I'm not going to think about how it affects my husband or my family or or even my church, right? So thinking too much of myself, we have to think about other people as well. And uh, for myself, being prepared, I'm not naturally um, 
or I haven't always been a naturally organized person. I'm fairly flexible, I'll go with the flow, and I'm not super anal about things. So if it doesn't turn out exactly the way I wanted to, I'm, I'm usually pretty okay with that. Uh, but I've had to learn to be organized because if I just go with the flow, I see how it affects other people and my lack of order or organization actually could cause them chaos, right? Mm-hmm. And and then on the other hand, there's something about, you know, living for the moment can be a negative thing, but sometimes we also just need to learn to live day by day instead of being so overly prepared and organized that we get so stressed out thinking about the future. Um, certainly Jesus has things to say about, you know, give us this day our daily bread mm-hmm. and uh, to to trust him today don't be worrying about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough worries of its own uh so in a sense we live day to day trusting in him depending on him but we also as this woman she looks to the future and considers okay what are some things that are necessary for me to provide and then i will do my part in fulfilling those responsibilities um so yeah I think those are a few things that I wanted to mention. There's lots more. I'm sure there's specific questions that people would have, but hopefully that gets people started on on thinking Mm -hmm. about how to live and be prepared for the different seasons that come. That's excellent. I'm sitting here nodding. I know you guys can't see me, but I'm (laughs) nodding in agreement with all of those things. Definitely. You know, I was just going to say something. So even this Saturday, and we always have to know our priorities. So of course, I had a full weekend, even with the things that I said no to. But when my daughter-in-law messaged and said, I think I might be in labor, my husband's working, there's nothing urgent, it's nothing serious yet. But do you think you or one of the girls could come Mm. over? I had planned, I had my morning planned, mm-hmm. what I was going to do so that I could be prepared for our guests in the evening. I'm like, okay, right now, that's not so important. If my house isn't as clean as I wanted right. it to be, or the food isn't as prepped as I'd like it to be, that's actually not the priority. I had to be able to just say, okay, that's going to go on pause for now. I'm going to go check in on my daughter-in-law, right? Because mm-hmm. priorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, I want to have a clean house. I want to have food prepared when my guests come. But if that doesn't work out the way it needs to work out because my daughter-in-law is having a baby, yes. I have to be willing to say, I'm going to drop this yep. so I can do this, right? And so she, being flexible. Right. Yeah. And she's asking for you, which is lovely. It's lovely. Yeah, absolutely. So Susie, as I was uh, doing some research into this verse, I noticed that some um, some people think that the scarlet that's mentioned in this verse is has some significance has some symbolism and um that it would tie into perhaps um, the reference of scarlet thread that is mentioned during the birth of the twin sons of judah and tamar in genesis 38 also scarlet thread is mentioned as part of the tabernacle's curtains in exodus 26 and the high priest's ephod in exodus 28 um It's also mentioned of a scarlet rope made of, or sorry, a rope made of scarlet thread um, in, uh, where is it? Joshua chapter two, where Rahab allows the Hebrew spies to escape from Jericho by telling, by letting them down through her window uh, with that rope. And um, 
sometimes it's referred a scarlet thread running through the Bible. Um, they mean that the theme is Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for the redemption of mankind. The blood of Christ runs throughout the entire Bible symbolically. And we read in Hebrews 9, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And that's why the symbolism of the scarlet thread in the Bible is significant. So you and Aaron um, have taught a class on raising teenagers. And I know there isn't just one way to raise a child to ensure that they are serving the Lord as an adult. But as we look at this scarlet thread, the forgiveness, um, this woman is clothing her kid, her, her family um, with scarlet thread and the symbolism of being covered by the blood of, of Jesus. They are, they are forgiven. They are saved. Um, I know there isn't just one way to raise a child, to have them serve the Lord as an adult, but what have you noticed in your years of ministry um, some practices or some methods that that parents can use to help secure that a child who has been taught and raised in a Christian home um, will continue to walk in it all their life. Maybe there's some areas that parents may overlook that can lead to a child turning away from their faith in their teen or their early adult years. Do you have any advice or thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I have some thoughts. And certainly I think it starts with praying, covering, right? If we're talking about covering our children in the scarlet thread, all of our life being covered in the scarlet thread, um, certainly then we need to be covering our children in prayer. And I think that includes both praying for them and with them. So when you see your child struggling, pray with Mm -hmm. them. And even as I was actually just this morning, I was teaching on the, um, the Lord's Prayer, and I had read a book by Rick Mangrum. And one of the main points that he talked about how, was how this wasn't just uh, a lesson in how to pray, but it was a lesson in how to live. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if we're praying for our children, we have to make sure that we are also living it out with our children, right? And the Lord's Prayer is just so full of good truths. Mm-hmm. But hard to live out. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to pray them, but to actually live them out. And so our children need to see us living it out, working it out um, as they see us praying about it, as they see us teaching other people in the church about it, as they see us living it out in our own lives and, and speaking to them. Uh, so I think that's huge. Like So pray and, and live it out. And one of the things uh, I think... Aaron probably definitely taught this in his uh, parenting class. And if anybody's interested in that, I think it's still on our website. If you go on our website, the church website, harvestwindsor.ca, under um, ministries, if you go uh, down to the bottom, there's something called, like, I think it's uh, theological education. There should be uh, something there. It's a two-week course, I believe. So, yeah, certainly you can uh, find more information there. I'd recommend that. If you can't find it, feel free to send me an email, susie at harvestwindsor.ca, and I'll try to send you the link for that if we still have that available. But learning to um, disciple our children is something that we do after we evangelize them. And this is actually something that came out in our last conference as well. Our speaker, Don McKenna, when she was speaking on Rise Up in Witness, she actually 
specifically and clearly talked about how before you can disciple your child, you have to evangelize them. And we miss that. It's it's interesting how often Christian parents miss the fact that before you can disciple your child, you have to actually just share the gospel with them and lead them to Christ. Let's not be afraid to lead our little children to Christ. I uh, sometimes catch wind of of parents being afraid to really believe that little children can know Jesus as their savior. And I don't know if that stems from personal experience themselves or maybe hearing about people who grew up in the church, claimed to be Christians and then walked away. I don't know what it is. But if your child wants to know how to be a Christian, explain it to them. And if they respond and they believe in faith, believe that God has begun a good work in them and and that they have been saved let's let's do that so super important that we evangelize not just disciple our children and then of course after they're christians a whole lot of discipleship needs to happen right and one of the things we need to do is we need to hold them accountable for wrong actions our society doesn't like to hold anybody accountable they just want to um you know shove things under the carpet and enlighten what sin actually is and and often call it a mental illness there's so many sins in the world that are just covered up by a mental illness these days so let's not excuse all our children's behavior as a mental illness or uh, minimize what it actually is let's call sin what it is at the same time i do want to say there are real physical um you know situations that cause uh, difficulty in a child. It can be a di- type of brain development or, or whatever it might be. So let's take that seriously as well. But let's be careful not to excuse everything as uh, a mental illness or to minimize all sin um, by just calling it something less than what it actually is. Let's call it out, not to be harsh, not to be mean, but to give them the idea that this is sin, but when I repent, there is grace and forgiveness available. Mm -hmm. And we point them to Jesus for that, but then we also show that in our own lives, right? As Mm -hmm. we forgive and, and pour grace into their lives, which includes we need to teach them how to actually repent and also how to receive and to give forgiveness. Um, it's hard, right? It's it's easier just to kind of make it less than what it is uh, because it's hard to face sin and actually admit specifically what we've done. But if we can teach that to our children, I think that's super valuable. And then they will continue to live that out. That's the gospel, um, understanding repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation, being able to live that out well in our homes and in our churches shows our community what Jesus is all about and the power of, mm. of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, as parents, it's hard, it's hard to discipline your kids, but you have to do it because you love them. Right. Mm. It's easier to, to let those things go, but in the long run, it's, it's yeah. going to lead to heartbreak. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, even like, I love my kids and they're all serving the Lord, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'm like, I wish I could go back and redo some of this. <laughs> um, but Praise God. He he is gracious and he, he goes above and beyond. He goes beyond what I humanly mm. did and was mm-hmm. able to do for my children. And yeah. uh, where I failed, he, he did more than I could have imagined. Mm. So it's it's also good as parents to know that, yes, we do our best with what we have. And there's times when we have to go back and repent. But 
we we don't just have to rely on ourselves. Yeah. God's grace yeah. goes above and beyond. In spite of us, mm-hmm. yes. Okay, well, let's maybe bring these two questions together. So she's prepared for unusual times, and she's covered by the blood of the lamb. So um, growing up in Canada, we are very familiar with snow, but... Um, I know Windsor's a little different. I grew up in Thunder Bay, and the winters can be very harsh. And if you're not prepared, you you might not survive, actually. So um, as a biblical counselor, you help women in the midst of their most difficult seasons. How can we prepare ourselves to face the spiritual winters when we are at our lowest, either from maybe an unforeseen circumstance out of our control or an emotional low? Hmm. Well, I think it's uh, day by day um, processing what God is doing in your life and what he's showing you, along with intentionally looking ahead once again to the trials or the situations we might face. And I think one of the things we need to do and be better at is study what suffering is and how to respond to suffering. And so we just had a conference, right, at the women's mm-hmm. ministry. One of our sessions was on on suffering and how to biblically respond. And we broke down suffering into four different types of suffering and, and what the right response is to that. And, you know, it, it's one thing to learn it and to study it. It's another thing to put it into practice. But if you've already been thinking about these things, then when it happens, mm. you you might be slipping in the wrong direction, but then you can be reminded of the right response. So let's take, for instance, um, right when spiritual attack comes. I'm usually aware that before or after a conference, that's when the attack comes. And this time, I, I specifically, before our conference, I... Um, I remember waking up Tuesday morning thinking, okay, I don't have to let this get to me. And the Lord gave me, you know, some truth that I, I needed to to think on and I needed to hear at that moment. And so it was, it was a great week because I think I felt more prepared. Hmm. Instead of just assuming it's going to come, I felt prepared to overcome it. And I praise God hmm. for that. I haven't always been there, but... I praise God for that. And even when it comes to things like uh, sometimes we, uh, the, so let's just review the four different types of suffering. So one type of suffering is our own personal guilt, right? If we have sinned, we will have guilt and sometimes we have consequences and that can cause us suffering. And the right response then is first of all, to acknowledge that Jesus Christ alone can forgive us and we need to repent of our, our original sin, just being born as sinners uh, and, and trusting that Jesus Christ died for our sins and that he paid the punish, punishments so that we can be reconciled to God. So that's salvation. We, we need to start with salvation. But then we continue to live a lifestyle of repentance as we continue to sin that alleviates our suffering. And when there are consequences to our sin, um, they might not always be removed. But if we can move forward in grace, understanding that this is a consequence, but I've been forgiven, this is not punishment. I think that helps us to accept it. And if we really recognize that sin deserves uh, punishment, we will be grateful that we don't get the ultimate punishment of death. Um, And then secondly, there's sin that... um, or suffering because other people sin against us. And um, 
Many times children suffer because they grow up in abusive environments. And so kids obviously have not necessarily had an opportunity to think about, well, you know, if I get into this situation and and someone yells at me or calls me a name or abuses me, they might not have had time to think on that yet or prepare for that. Uh, But then once you recognize that you have suffered because of other people's sin, One thing you want to make sure is that you're not taking their shame and carrying it as your own. And, uh, and then in the, you know, to prepare for future suffering, we recognize we live in a sinful world and we can't fully escape it. Um, How am I going to respond when people sin against me? And how am I going to respond if they repent? How am I going to respond if they don't repent? And that's a huge topic, which we're hoping to cover as a series in uh, this summer as well, which will probably be in August, the whole idea of repentance and forgiveness. So we'll talk more on that. So I'm not going to get into the specifics, but study on your own. You don't need to wait for Sandy and I to discuss (laughs) it, right? So study on your own if you want to understand what does repentance Mm -hmm. and forgiveness look like when I've been sinned against, when they repent, what if they don't repent? Good questions to ask. Think about those before you ever have to experience it. And then the third type of suffering is the spiritual attack that I talked about, mm-hmm. spending time in um, the armor of God and in prayer. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, right? So James 4 is also a great passage of scripture to prepare for spiritual attack. And then the second one, or the fourth t- um, type of suffering, I think can get complicated because it's, just the idea that we live in a world that has been affected by sin. Mm -hmm. And some of that includes the fact that there's sickness in this world and we don't know when that's going to happen. We can do, we should do our best to stay healthy, but being healthy, eating well and exercising and managing stress doesn't, you know, give you a hundred percent guarantee that you'll never get sick. And there is death. And once again, we have to be prepared. How am I going to face death if I suddenly get a terminally ill um, diagnosis or, or if my family member does or if there's a sudden death? And we, I don't think we can ever be fully prepared. But if we understand that God is sovereign, that his grace is enough, that He, w- his presence will give us strength, we can be prepared. We can face the suffering and go through it knowing that he is with us. And we have to think about these things in advance. And another thing that I've been thinking a lot about is some of the the tougher things, maybe the t- taboo things, the things that we don't talk about, we don't like to talk about because they're uncomfortable. But not talking about them actually hinders us when we are going to face one of these circumstances. And obviously, one of the things that I talk about on this podcast, and I think women need to be talking about is abortion. So if you're still young, and you're not married yet, what are you going to do to, first of all, prevent yourself from ever getting into a situation where you will need to even be faced with abortion? Or what are your if your friend comes along and and tells you that they are pregnant, how are you going to respond to them? And we have to make sure that we know and we are willing to stand firm and not budge because our emotions get the best of us that abortion is murder and that abortion is never okay under any circumstance. Uh, It's not okay when the woman is 
struggling financially, even if she has emotional struggles, if the guy's about to abandon her, or even if it was due to rape, which is a very rare situation, but it can happen. Abortion is wrong under all circumstances. So then how do we respond in those uh, various circumstances? We need to be prepared for that. Um, For instance, if a girl has been raped, uh, as sad as it is, and as much as we want to pour grace and love and compassion on her to tell her that abortion is okay, we're essentially doubling her trauma because deep down she knows that there is a human life in her body in her womb that is growing and then for her to have to process the fact that she was raped but that she also murdered her own child that's like double the trauma that this girl faces Mm -hmm. and so one wrong never makes you know a second wrong uh or rights second wrong so abortion is still wrong and rather than you know, giving in and saying, maybe it is best because I understand your circumstances are hard. Let's have the compassion. Let's understand how hard it is, but give her the resources that she needs to do the right thing. Um, We have to be clear on that. We have to be prepared for that. Another big thing that women face these days is miscarriage and infertility and how sad that is. Sandy, you and I are both moms and we know the joy of having our own children, but we can't compromise. And I think probably a lot of women have gone ahead and done things that maybe later on they regret when they find out more information. And so we want to educate ourselves. Like what, if I have a miscarriage, how am I going to respond? What, um, what truths are, am I going to hold on to? as I mourn the loss of my baby, as I uh, see other women getting pregnant and celebrating their births, what uh, truths am I going to hang on to when I begin to wonder if I'm ever going to be able to have my own children? We need to think about these things. The Bible speaks into those things very lovingly and very truthfully. Uh, So equip yourselves, be prepared that this could be your story. Let's not expect it to be our story, but it could be, and we need to be prepared. And then there's infertility. And uh, our medical system has a lot of responses to infertility. And it can be very, very tempting when we or our loved ones, when our friends are struggling with infertility and we see the agonizing pain that goes along with that, to just step back and let them do whatever they want. And I certainly am not educated in all the uh, infertility methods. And so I'm not going to speak into all of them. If there is a way to help a woman get pregnant uh, without compromising a fertilized egg, I, I can't see a reason why that wouldn't be a good thing. But if there is any method that tampers with a fertilized egg, it is off limits for the Christian, for anybody. It should be off limits for anybody because that fertilized egg is a human being. And so when we think about um, uh, even IVF, which is something that uh, many Christians don't understand uh, much about, but IVF is uh, a process where they fertilize numerous eggs they take the sperm and the egg and they fertilize it and these eggs get put into a 
a little dish or a little jar and they get frozen and saved and maybe one or two gets put it implanted into the woman's body and and then you hope for the best but what about all the other fertilized eggs what happens to them I just recently heard of someone talking about this uh, where there was a fertilized egg that had been around since 1980 this is a human being that's been put in the freezer for what is it now 43 years and that is sad we would not do that to our own children we would never do that and and then along with that there's um medical uh facilities where they'll tell the husband to to go into a room and they'll actually provide him with pornography so that he can ejaculate and provide the sperm that's wrong how is that okay? And then I know even for myself, not too long ago, when I first started hearing about adopting an embryo, I was thinking, um, oh, well, isn't that a great way to rescue eggs that aren't wanted by the actual parents and give it to someone that um, wants one, that wants a baby? And at this point, I feel very uncomfortable with that, not because I don't wish the best on a couple that is struggling. I want them to have a baby and to be, I want that woman to be able to give birth to, to a baby. But when I realize what a business mm-hmm. IVF has become mm-hmm. to support that, even through something as good as adopting an egg, I think we're supporting a very sinful business Mm. and that's not what I'm just saying please don't if you have adopted an embryo or even if you've looked into IVF and maybe done it in your past I'm not here to condemn you but I want you to think about what that actually supports and what you're actually doing and most importantly I want to inform people ahead of time right like we can't undo the past uh, certainly, if, if sin has been committed, that needs to be repented of. And God's grace is enough to cover whatever sin might have taken place. But most importantly, I want to be used as an agent to speak truth into a culture that doesn't know it. And I want to inform women who don't know what mm-hmm. actually takes place with some of these infertility treatments. And so if you are struggling with infertility, please know that my heart absolutely goes out to you. I mourn with you. Not that I fully understand. I don't, but I know how much joy my children give me and what a blessing they are. And to think of that being removed, I can only imagine the pain of that. But emotional stress never gives us the right to go ahead and sin Mm -hmm. or to go ahead and do unrighteous deeds and so I just encourage you be prepared in advance so that you can make a righteous decision and not an emotional one Um, so we've touched on some difficult things but these are realities of life a lot of people go through these situations and certainly I haven't touched on all of them there's also made which is becoming more and more popular and if you're in the medical system it's totally promoted as the compassionate response to someone who is suffering whether it be mentally or physically they're a strain on the system 
Those are all invalid excuses if we actually realize that God is the giver and taker of life. We don't have a right to do that. We don't have the right to speed up that process um, of taking life, and we don't have the right to take that life. Uh, Let's provide care and comfort, but that's different than actually taking someone's Mm -hmm. life. That is not compassionate care. That is sin. It is taking life into your own hands and that is wrong. And so there's so many different situations that I think if we just take the time to think about it a little bit, think about, okay, as a woman growing up in 2023, I know what's happened in the last 10 years, what's going to happen in the next 10 years. Think about some of those things. Don't live in fear or don't start, you know, prophesying things that aren't meant to be, you know, foretold but think about possibilities and then do the research necessary so that you can be prepared to make a biblical response a righteous response rather than an emotional response Mm. in the moment Mm. yeah that's great and and being grounded rooted and grounded in in the love of god and his word um i just want to encourage our listeners if the if the talk on suffering has um is something that you would like to hear more of. Um, our um, our teaching on suffering from the conference will be on our website mm-hmm. shortly. Yeah, I usually so, ask people to give about a month because yeah. we do have a lot of other editing that has to take place in the life of our church. So give it a month, so the end of June. Mm-hmm. It might yeah. be out before that, but yeah, yeah. Or you can email myself or Susie if you um, are interested. Um, it's interesting. I was talking to a friend this morning. She's a new believer. And um, she's been through a couple of recent events and um, potentially losing a friendship over some comments. Mm. Uh, somebody wanted to know her thoughts on on the um, transgender stuff going on. And um, she was very truthful about what the, the mm-hmm. Bible says about it. And um, in our conversation, she said, you know, I went through this previous trial to prepare me for mm. this. So sometimes our suffering is is preparation, right? To Yeah. That's a good point to too, guide yeah. our thinking for what is what is perhaps coming in our lives and um and just that that the suffering is not wasted. Right. Mm-hmm. God can redeem it. Um and this verse came came to mind. It's from um Second Corinthians chapter four. So we do not lose heart. Though our mm. outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Beautiful. So mm-hmm. we just want to encourage our listeners today. Um, we hope that that this has been equipping to you and encouraging and perhaps giving you some, some things to think about and to pray about. Um, But thank you for listening, and we hope that you will join us again as we continue to rebuild biblical womanhood from the foundation up. 